Welcome to Wisdom Inspired, a podcast designed to help high achievers to eliminate burnout and overwhelm. Now let's prepare to open our hearts, our minds, and our notebooks to receive today's wisdom. finishing at this point what we started yesterday. I don't know if we're finished with the series or not, but we are going to get put a little bow on what we talked about yesterday. So yesterday um, in our series of discussing grace and embracing the idea of grace so that we can begin to operate at a higher level in our service as leaders in our homes and all of the things that we do, Um, My goal has been to share with us a perspective on grace about how grace trains us, how it regulates us, right? So grace uh, regulates our intentions and our motives. And today I want to discuss a little bit about how that happens so that we are equipped to recognize when this is happening in our lives because what I feel is really essential, especially for me, and I believe those that I'm connected to or that's drawn to us are in the same place. We're in a season of change and transition. It happens every so often, right? We have minor seasons in our lives, but collectively as a humanity, we are in a transitioning stage right now. And I believe it is important that we are equipped with the information for those of us who have been called apart, who've been separated, because it is essential for us to have a knowing and a confidence about our truth and about who we are and whose we are and what weapons we have available to us as we live out our lives in this world. We are not called to coward or hide away. We are definitely called to a season to be the ones in the forefront, and it is important that we are equipped to stand in that moment because we're going to see few and few of us, right? Because as life transitions for humanity, it is being separated. What we're following, what we believe, and all of those things are coming to, to head. And so uh, my heart is really full with making sure that we know who we are and that we're equipped to go back and reassure ourselves because every day God's mercy is new. That's why he says renew our minds daily because life and the world has a way to make you wake up. One day you go to bed and you feel like you're on top of the world and you wake the next morning and you are starting to feel like what happened? A brick is on you. So this is the goal here is to equip us with what we need to recalibrate right, so that we can stay steady, stay the course, and stay on point. So today I'm going to address how does grace regulate our intentions and our motives. If you didn't hear yesterday, I'm not going to spend a lot of time going back over it, but I suggest you go and listen to yesterday's call because I laid a lot of groundwork with definitions about intentions, motives, and regulate, okay? So today, three ways that grace will regulate our intentions and our motives. First, It's by training us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires. I want to to give us a a clear path on ungodliness because it's a word that we hear sometimes and people think it's just about this excess of uh, pure behavior, right? Ungodliness actually refers to a person who does not reverence God and thus lives by ignoring God. Ungodliness refers to a person who is openly immoral. And immoral is being immoral is about not being concerned with the principles and commandments of God. It has nothing to do with human uh, low concepts of morality, right? Because we as humans in the world, we have a tendency to think that we know more than God. And so we try to put an emphasis on what is moral and what's not moral. 
When God in the Bible is referring to ungodliness, he is talking about having a complete disregard for him and his authority over your life. This ungodliness includes, and it does include those outwardly nice people who seem so nice and they talk so nice and they've got all of the nice polished words and they never seem to raise their voice or they never seem to get annoyed with anything. Ungodliness can happen to them and does include them because what happens is that overly nice or outwardly nice person has no place for God in their lives. He's not talking about do you uh, speak God to other people, but when you are by yourself, is God the governing factor of your life? Or are you the governing factor? Have you organized your everyday life and being motivated and ran by yourself, your own selfish will and your own selfish desires, meaning that God does not govern you and there is no authority higher than you in your own life? That is ungodliness. And so grace trains us to deny that. When we get a taste of God's grace, we cannot, it's impossible to just sit and have godless living. Because when you understand that God's grace is the reason the things that you have in your life is present, when you clearly experience it for yourself in some form, you begin to know that there is a power higher than you. There is a power higher than the doctors. There is a power higher than your lawyers. There is something that's working on your behalf that has nothing to do with human effort. When we talk about denying worldly desires, we're referring to desires that carry characteristics of the world system that is opposed to God. That's simple. We're not talking about certain things that you can't like or you can't want, but if you know the characteristic, the thing behind that particular thing is in opposition to God, then you are operating in worldly desires. But again, grace trains us to deny that. Grace trains us to deny the lust of our eyes, the lust of our flesh, and the boastful pride of life because it's a regulator. It's a gut check. God's grace, when you sit under his authority and speak to him, he will give you revelation. He will give you guidance. But we have to be willing to surrender to his reverence, right? That's where the ungodliness comes in. Do you have him as the reverence of your, of your life, or is it just you that has the first and final say? The second way that God, uh, grace trains us or regulates us is it reg trains us to look ahead and behind to live in godliness. So what do I mean? When we look ahead, grace is telling us to look to the cross. I'm sorry, when we look ahead, it's telling us to look to Christ's second coming. It's telling us to look that he is going to come again and that we are to set our focus on that hope, that we have to understand that even though we have decisions and actions to make in the middle, that we will have to give an account for those decisions. There's an example that comes to mind. Jimmy Carter was the president known for actually staying at the house of everyday Americans when he was in office. And so think about this. If you knew the president was coming to stay at your house, what are you doing? You have this hopeful expectation. You are preparing your home. You're getting rid of anything that doesn't belong. You're cleaning house, 
right? Well, that's the same way in Titus chapter 2, verse 13, the emphasis on looking for that blessed hope is implying an eager anticipation of Christ's second coming. It is igniting in us that we are to be eagerly looking forward to his return. And as those believers who, are, who have tasted God's grace, we are looking forward to that, and we're motivated now by that in our decisions, in keeping ourselves clean and pure of the things that we know of. Because now God's not asking us to do things that he hasn't revealed to us. What we have to do is surrender to the process that he takes us through, through the experiences in our life that are there to serve and train us and regulate us. But if our hope is in him, we're now motivated to be more intentional about the decisions we make because we understand that we're going to have to give an account for them. We find ourselves being able to rest in a sense of peace because we're no longer trying to compete with the speed of other people's lives, and we're embracing the speed by which God is working to heal the wounds of our own souls. We are now focused on the things and the visions that he's given us, and we're not trying to bring them to pass. All we're focused on is cooperating with the process that he has in place for the time of the manifestation. We have a hopeful expectation if the president was coming, and Christ is greater than the president. So therefore, we should be diligent, being looking forward, looking ahead, making sure that if we don't know, we're consulting the one that governs our lives so that we can be clear as possible between him and I and us, that we know what he's communicating with us to do in that moment. The second part of that is that it trains us to look back. Looking back is looking back at the cross. The fact that God redeemed us is the reminder of the precious truth of God's love for us. It's the thing that keeps us anchored. It's the thing that keeps us in the fight. It's the thing that keeps us in the middle as we keep looking ahead. It's the thing that keeps us serving him diligently because we are reminded of God's grace and love for us because he sent his son to redeem us, to die for our lawless deeds, and then to work on purifying that he might purify for himself a group of people to now own as his own possessions. He brought us in and chose us. So that reminder gives us the confidence necessary to live amongst the things that may seem to be chaotic because we know that we have been set apart. And not only have we been set apart, but we are a personal prized possession, a valuable treasure that has been paid for us by his blood that has now redeemed us. This is the thing that will empower us as leaders as we serve in our communities and serve in our families and serve in our businesses that when we have to be the different one that we can stand no matter what because we're looking ahead knowing we're given an account and we're supported by what has already been promised to us in the beginning because when he looked, when we look back, he already established his love and his grace for us. The promises are true and we do not have to wonder if he's going to keep them because he will. And thirdly, grace trains us and regulates by establishing new intentions and motivations. Once all of this is cleared up, when we understand ungodliness and worldliness, when we understand that we're anchored by what was done that's coming before us and what's done for us in the past, we now realize that a new set of intentions and motives now behind our choices and our decisions reign clear in our lives. 
We're now motivated to please God in our actions, in our thoughts, in our decisions, in our behavior, because what a great motivation to please God when we know that he has chosen us as his personal prized possession. What greater way to embrace his grace over our life than to know that God has already worked out the beginning and the end, and all he asks us to do is stand in the middle. What a greater way to be motivated by the decisions and the choices that we make, the people we spend time with, the resources we buy into, the tools that we use in our business. We're more diligent about the whole characteristic behind the people promoting the products and the services because we have to be diligent in understanding that we cannot uh, impurify what God has created by mixing ourselves with things that he does not honor. We have to not be in the fear of missing out because we know that we can never miss out. We have the greatest gift, and our job is to be so zealous and so devoted to the cause of pleasing him that we make other people want the joy and the peace and the grace that we have. They see us running our businesses, not worrying and not concerned and not losing our hair and not stressed out and not on medication, and they want to say, how are you winning? How are you doing it? How is your business growing? We have established a new intention to be the glory of his in the presence and the midst of chaos. So, as I close, let us remember that grace regulates our intentions and our motives. And all we have to do is surrender unto, unto God's grace, and he will do the work in us. We have to be willing to embrace it and know that we are not alone, and no step has he ever left us. The same grace that saved us is the same grace that will continue to train us as long as we are here, continuing to prepare us and for. Uh, prepare our way and to prepare us for the usage that God has for us. So I hope this series this week has challenged you, has inspired you to maybe get into it and study grace a little bit more for yourself. Grace is beyond just giving us a, an exceptions or a pass for what we're doing. Grace is a weapon under which we serve. It's a weapon that allows us to do what we do and do it well and do it with excellence, not unto ourselves or in, unto anyone else, but unto the God that has created us. So let us begin to abide with that truth and be empowered to continue to lead with intention and authenticity in the things that we've been called to do. I thank you guys so much for joining us here on Wisdom Inspired. We'll be back on the line on Monday. Everyone have a great and wonderful weekend. I hope you enjoyed the episode of Wisdom Inspired that was brought to you by the AAC co-working community, a virtual community designed to support female entrepreneurs, business owners, and freelance professionals. For more, go to wisdominspired.net.